0: All right. This is Tim Blanchett with divorce661.com. And today we're talking with Linda Lingo, who's a financial coach and CPA. She's going to tell us about what a financial coach is. Uh, I'm going to give a quick bio on her and then she's going to ta- take over the control. So, Linda Lingo is an authority on women building wealth. Her successful 35 year career in corporate America and her 10 year as a financial advisor has given her practical experience radical knowledge. I like that radical. And a deep understanding of the best ways to manage money for the modern day. Uh, Her website is LyndaLingo.com. I like to get that out of the way in the beginning. I don't know how many people make it to the end. And Linda has a coaching program. She has a lot of resources on there. I was poking around today. um, Some pretty cool um, little uh, guides that you can download. But Linda, take it away. Tell us about uh, more about yourself. We're going to be talking about gray divorce today and some other uh, financial coaching information.
1: Thanks, Tim. Thank you for having me on your radio show. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, so I'm a financial coach. And first of all, I want to get the difference between a financial advisor and a financial coach out of the way because there is a lot of confusion out there. Please. So a financial advisor, which I was for 10 years, is licensed to sell stocks, bonds, mutual funds. And some of us are licensed to sell life insurance as well. And so we meet with people um, and we help them with their financial goals and we do their investing or recommend investments to them and did that for 10 years, loved it. I actually became a financial advisor because of the horrible experience I had with my financial advisor. Hmm. Um, And so I walked out of his office uh, thinking, uh, I can do this job much better than than you can. And I don't want a woman to ever be talked down to or uh, have a condescending conversation with Hmm. their financial advisor. So I thought, I'm a CPA, I have an MBA in finance, I'm a smart gal and uh, went home, Googled, how do you become a financial advisor? And uh, after studying hard and taking the exams, passed and became a financial advisor. Loved it. But what I found out was women want more education before they make an investment decision. And so I transitioned or pivoted, as everybody likes to say now, Uh, to a financial coach. So I let go my securities licenses, which means I no longer recommend specific investments, and I no longer take people's money and invest it for them. So I coach. In other words, I'm an educator. I am um, a holistic financial coach and life coach in that there are a lot of aspects to money, and I think, unfortunately, financial advisors get very tunnel vision on the money. And as a financial coach, I get to broaden that because it there's a lot more to it than that. As a matter of fact, I dive into the emotional aspect of money before we even talk about the dollars and cents. So... Um, I just wanted to get it. So a financial coach does not take your money and invest it for you. They educate you so you can make informed decisions yourself or with your financial advisor. I help to take the trepidation, the intimidation um, out of, you know, the the lingo and make it very easy to understand.
0: Is there a conflict to it? between financial advisor and financial coach. And by the way, I'll be taking a lot of notes because I forget what I want to ask you when people are talking. So it, would there have been a conflict to be a financial advisor and a financial coach simultaneously?
1: Not necessarily. However, uh, you don't get compensated being a financial coach. You get compensated to invest. And um, financial advisors often will talk about how many clients they are serving or assets under management. Hmm. It's the dollar sign.
0: Got you. And and speaking about, um, can you go back to? You said, and I did. I missed the last part of it, but you you brought up the word e- emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, could you could you go over that again? The financial, it's an emotional approach.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So believe it or not, our relationship to money starts as early as age three. And a lot of us don't recognize, I didn't for many years, what our true relationship to money is. It's subconscious. It actually is formed in the home. You know, youngsters, we're like little sponges. We soak up what our folks are saying and how they're doing, what they're doing and how they're acting. So, for instance, growing up, um, my my mother's love language was gift giving my father's was not and every christmas they would argue he would he would they would argue about she bought too many gifts for us so i internalized that to be gifts are bad money's bad because it causes arguments so i stayed away from gift giving as um because i thought it would always bring up arguments so it's that's the emotional so i work with women and couples in defining what their money story is, helping them identify what their money story is. That's the emotional side of it because you have to know where you're at in order to know okay, is that where I wanna stay? Or do I want it to be something different? I didn't wanna stay in that mindset. So consciously, I chose to change my mindset. It's like, you know, our mind is a fascinating thing. And that subconscious, it was like we had little ruts. And so we have to change that pathway. And it takes some work and effort, but it can be done. And that's that's where I start when I'm coaching on money is the emotional side. I call it and values, um, really understanding what your values are because, well, we can get into that. But anyway, values and um, you, the money story is where I start.
0: Well, that being subconscious, I guess you can't. I guess that makes sense that you start off with the emotional part of it because you can't coach someone on making financial decisions until they understand why they've been making the financial decisions in the past.
1: Bingo! Yep, exactly, exactly. But when you there, honestly, many did, people don't realize that.
0: Yeah, they they exactly. Until you said that, I was like, "Well, that makes total sense."
1: Thank you. <laughs> so you distinguished
0: the difference between financial advising and financial coaching. The financial coaching is educational. Um, Starting with um, the emotional side, what are some of the other tenants that uh, are involved with the education portion of it?
1: Yeah. um, Well, and I'd like to say it's educational and it's helping clients put together a plan of this is where they are financially or with a relationship to money, and this is where they'd like it to be. And so I help them put a plan together. It's just like you're going to take a trip. Well, you don't usually just get in the car and start you know where you want to go and you have map quest or some way of getting there and working with a coach is the same way it's like okay i'm here i'm stuck i'm not sure why but i know i want to get out of this rut i know i want to change the way i am relating to money the way i'm working with money the way money's not working with me and and, and be in a place of abundance be in a place of um wealth and so when I work with my clients on building wealth, that's what it's all about. I, I use the VIP method, It's what I've developed. And so we start with the values and the money mindset. And then the second phase is, OK, so I hate the word. I know hate is very strong, but that's where I'm at. The word budget, it makes my skin crawl. It makes me shut down. And so I don't use it. So we work on an intentional Money spending and saving plan because I help my clients, if they're in debt, actually save their way out of debt. And so that is the I. And the second I, VII, is investing. And so we go over investing. I'll go as much into detail as my clients desire. And then it's P for protecting, protecting what they've built. You know, how, you know, we work so hard to build up wealth. And then what, you know? So it's protecting it, it's deciding how, when we want to leave a legacy, what does that look like? What does that mean? So that's my building wealth uh, tenet that I use.
0: And how, can you explain to me what a holistic approach means?
1: To me, it means not just the money, the dollars and cents, but it means the emotional, it's the emotional and the intellectual. It's the whole person coming to the table because what i have found in working with clients is if we just jump into the the intellectual the the dollars and cents if you will unless you know how you're relating to money what your values are you cannot set financial goals in alignment with those values unless you know what they are and i've seen way too many women fall off the bandwagon because somebody because they thought this should be their goal You know, I mean, I'm tired of people asking the $5 question. They should be asking the $50,000 question. You know, it's go buy the fricking latte. You know, that is not going to make or break you. I don't care what anybody says. But if you have a credit score and you're constantly having to pay the highest interest rate, that's big dollars. You can change that and that will make a difference in your money.
0: You said women want more education. Is that just because men and women are built differently, psychology-wise? psychology, psychology wise, what, um, what do you mean by that? I mean, I know what that means, but yeah. explain that to me.
1: Well, I think women are from Venus and men are from Mars, and we think differently. I, it's not bad or good. It's just the way we're created, I believe. And so let me back up my perspective is and and it's it's documented is that the finance world has been dominated by men i mean when i was a financial advisor less than 10 percent of financial advisors were were women and that's still the statistic it might have gone up to 11 percent, but it's still incredibly low and and what happens is male financial advisors tend to talk to if it's a couple The man, the husband and the woman often feels left out of the conversation and they don't want to feel stupid. I mean, they don't want to ask the questions that and then be intimidated by by, you know, the the person sitting on the other side of the desk, so to speak. And so that is what um, I bring to the equation is, you know, no question is a dumb question. Let's talk about it and and let's go over it and let's review it so you understand it. And it doesn't mean like they have to understand stocks, bonds and mutual funds to the nth degree, but it does mean understanding the difference between them and what how they play into your portfolio and what they can do for you. So that's it's been my experience and and that's that's why I, I speak that way.
0: Yeah. So, the, and that kind of goes back to how you ended up in financial planning, is you're talking about having uh, kind of being spoken down to, condescending, and that's still shocking that that would happen. And then, this, in this environment, you're saying that you know, I imagine that they're they go together to see their financial planner, and you're saying that the 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 man, um financial planner, is talking to the husband, and kind of maybe not even paying attention to what the wife has to say. It's an interesting? Yeah thing going on there.
1: Statistics are that 70% of, if it's a husband and wife and they have had a financial advisor, the husband passed away, 70% of the widows will change financial advisors because they never felt a connection. That's huge.
0: And is it, is it something that the financial planner world, since it's 90% of them are men? I believe it was your statistic that the that the the financial planner needs to be more educational or how how could that be fixed and the second part of that question is what could the wife do who feels this way say or do to move into a more position of power
1: great questions i think the financial advisory community is recognizing that they need to be more in tune with both men and women, but they're recognizing that I think sometimes it's hard to sh- to change patterns of behavior, um, especially if what you've been using works, you know, um, but the statistics are also women are what we are inheriting the wealth. So baby boomers passing away, our children are inheriting it, but it, the majority is passing to women and women drive the economy we are the ones who decide where the money's going to be spent we are the ones who honestly make or break um you know the budgets as far as you know our home budgets or or our community we are the givers we are much more philanthropic and so i think the financial advisory world is recognizing this i think younger men are starting to try to work and and learn how to talk with women but it um it 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 will take a while i think to transition to that and as far as what women can do get a financial coach get educated i tell my clients read something that has to do with money for at least 5 minutes a day or or listen to a podcast You know, there's so many ways that you can do it now, but just start listening so you are starting to pick up the vocabulary a little bit. And then if that prompts questions, you know, then start asking the questions. Don't be intimidated. But so many women are. You know, it's and the other thing is we have so many things on our plate that taking the initiative to really educate ourselves in another area requires time. And time is a precious commodity, especially if you're a wife, if you're a mom, if you have a career. I mean, I can certainly relate to that. But what happens, and the majority of my clients are actually women, midlife women, going through a transition. Because if you're going through a divorce, if you're all of a sudden a widow, if you're changing a career or, or an empty nester, you know, the, it usually is some kind of a life event that will trigger, oh my goodness, I need to get serious about my finances. I need to be more involved or I need to put a plan together. I mean, I remember when I turned 50, it was shit, how did this happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And now it's like, I gotta really, I gotta focus on the next couple of years, the next decade, really making sure my retirement was in place. And it's a good thing because after 40 years of marriage, I went through a divorce Mm -hmm. and that changed a lot of things.
0: Yeah what can um so do you think it's a mistake for what would appear to be happily married you know couples that the wife allows the husband to have complete financial control because they not because they don't want to be involved but just because they trust their spouse and and is there a what should they do to be more involved so these things not so they don't need a financial coach, but so there isn't this shock and awe at 50 or when there's a life change.
1: Yeah, great question. So what I recommend is um, well yes, first of all, don't abdicate because that's what's happened, whether it's to their spouse, whether it's to their financial advisor. I've seen both. Um, you know, it's somebody else will take care of it. Well, somebody else takes care of it until an issue happens or an event happens. And then it's like, oh my gosh. So yes, they need to be involved. It doesn't mean they don't trust their partner. It just means they're informed and they're part of the conversation. And so what I recommend to my clients is having a money date and and making it fun. This is not, and it's a no judgment zone. It's just, you know, I'd like to be in the loop. I'd like to know where we are. Not only that, but it, it's also how can you set goals, couple, you know, as a couple, how can you set goals together if you don't know where you're financially at? So it's coming back to what are your values, setting goals together, and then having a money date, whether it's once a week or at least once a month, just to get caught up on, hey, this is where we're at. You know, I mean, I was just having a conversation. This couple is planning their um a, a overseas trip. And it's like, okay, well, let's get on the same page, first of all, and then let's save for it. And so it, it brought up a lot of conversation about where their money is going, how they're spending it, was that in alignment with their values, you know, so it's having those conversations in a non-judgmental, we're on the same team, we're working towards the same goal. This is how we're going to make it happen. We're going to work together. So it, it can change, it can change the whole dynamic of a marriage.
0: You know, and and we shouldn't put this. I had this thought while you're talking about this. We shouldn't shoulder this entirely on the wife. I think maybe us men can step up and say, "Hey, mm-hmm. here's where we're at," and and bring them into the fold. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that that's the other part of it.
1: Absolutely, it's two. You know, it takes two to tango. Absolutely. I. Well, they. Uh,
0: you said something, or it made me think of. Uh, I forget the name of the movie, but they said. Um, you're you're saying that the the the, the wife kind of runs the world and, and 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 I remember the reference in a movie that the, the the man is the head but the woman is the neck.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so
0: we were going to talk about gray divorce, um, and I'll have you kind of describe what that is. It's it's I imagine that's one of these. Um, life changes you're referring to. I'm sure, you know, death of a spouse would be one. Um, it just, another life changes, divorce, of course. Um, if you could explain what gray divorce is in your own words, and then talk about maybe some of the special considerations that might be need to be dealt with.
1: Yeah. Um, so gray divorce is defined as couples 50, age 50 and older getting divorced um, and it's typically not always, but typically from a longer lasting marriage. And um, it was coined because researchers found that that demographic, the rate of divorce in that demographic is increasing. And um, it's actually up a quarter and of all divorces. And one in 10 is occurring in uh, people age 65 and older. Oh. And there's a, a couple of reasons for that. I think um, one is that, you know, if you've been married 20 years or more, you you know, they say they grow apart. Uh, and I think sometimes that happens when communication isn't great. Um, it usually happens after they're empty nesters. A lot of times they'll stay together for the kids, yep. which is like the worst reason to stay together, but they do. I agree. Um, and then, you know, it's a longer life expectancy. I've had many clients who've said, you know, the thought of spending another 30 years with this person was was just, I couldn't do it. And, and so it's that longer life exp- expectancy. It's, I think women are starting to come into their own and realize that, um, you know, it's their life too. And we tend to give a lot whether we're white wives, whether we're mothers, whether we're in career position, we're giving, giving, giving. And I think when it comes to, you know, those especially early 60s, and we're thinking about retiring and kind of the next phase of, of our life, um, you know, it's all of a sudden, we're kind of able to dream about what do we want our life to look like. And it may be nothing like what we are experiencing right now. And then, you know, some couples just say they lose the spark. And unfortunately yeah that happens and i think once again it's lack communication it's lack of those values and having goals setting goals together and um kind of you know not waiting until you retire to kind of figure out what you want your life to look like but you know through your entire marriage working you know working on that so so that's that's some of the reasons and and that's how the great divorce is defined
0: yeah dynamics certainly change right you get married then there's kids that's a new addition yeah. then there's there's you know job changes then the kids grow then they get older then they move out then you're kind of back to square one if you will mm-hmm. um like for my wife and I we got married had kids right away and so that dynamic quickly changed and i was like i didn't sign up for this you know <laughs> that for the kid thing yeah. it totally changes the c- scenario yeah now but the, the on the other side of it now our kids are 26 and 24 so we've had not that they're not in the house, one's out, one's still in the house, but you still got to parent them, but not like when they were children. Um, so we're kind of found that we now get to foster what we had in that short period of time before kids, whereas most of the people we know still have, you know, young young teens mm. in their house. So we, you know, I think we was just, uh, our living together alone, it was just um, put to the back burner. But now, now we've rekindled that. So, because we didn't have that opportunity,
1: which is awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you.
0: So, is there any special considerations from a financial coach perspective when people are going through a gray divorce versus maybe they're only married five years and they're in their thirties or forties?
1: Yes. So, uh, another statistic I just wanted to leave your your listeners with is women when they divorce over 50, so as part of the gray divorce, their income will fall by about 40%. Men's will suffer or decrease by about 23%. Those are government statistics. So there's a significant impact on women. Yes, gray divorce is different from getting a divorce, younger, younger divorce, in that usually you have had a career or two or three. So you have retirement accounts or a pension. And these are critical because they all enter into spousal support. Now, times are changing, but um, there's still a lot of couples where it was very traditional and the man worked and the woman stayed at home and had the children and, you know, took care of the house. But that means she didn't have uh, very much in Social Security. And she doesn't have an income source. So to get a divorce at, say, age 60, it's probably she's probably not going to go out and start a new career and start building that retirement account. I mean, yes, she can work. That's, you know, but it's not the same as being 30 and being able to have a career and be contributing to a retirement account and be building that up in anticipation of your retirement. And so the retirement planning aspect of a great divorce is critical and it's more convoluted. And it probably in some aspects requires experts, depending on what type of retirement plans you have in place. The other thing is you got the home, uh, the, the family home. You've probably had it for a while, so your mortgage may be uh, very low or, or you may have paid it off, so there's no mortgage. So that whole asset comes into play. And um, then the other one is, you know, was the woman involved in the finances at all? And maybe this is the time where she's like, oh, my goodness, I really have to understand, you know, what I can afford and what does my life look like and and what do I need right now? And so that is where um, my coaching comes into play is really helping those women have a plan in place so they can go from not just surviving their divorce, but to thriving afterwards.
0: It sounds like a very perilous position to be in. You have the the woman's income falling by 40%. And in the scenario you just built up of of our um, imagined couple here, um, income drops by 40%. Let's assume the family home gets sold. So they have some walking away money, but their cost of living is going to increase significantly on top of the 40% decrease Mm -hmm. because of just buying a new house and interest rates or the rental market is crazy everywhere. Um, Why, why is the, why is the woman's uh, income dropped so considerably? Is this because of the scenario of they weren't working and now it's a percentage of husband's income as spousal support?
1: Yes, that and no social security or very little social security. So both of those things taken into consideration it could be you know the the husband is going to have to pay spousal support and so maybe that requires a life getting a life insurance on him because you're dependent on him and if he dies that goes away so i mean so it it can be you know so there are a lot of aspects to it maybe you know yeah the kids might be out of the house but you know do the kids who do the kids have the relationship Who who? who do they look to for maybe that additional support that, you know, isn't quote child support, but we, I mean, I have adult children. I have a daughter in her tw- in her twenties and um, I know when I go to see her, I, I'm the one that, ta- you know, we, I pay for our dinners out. I mean, gladly, gladly. Right. And um, you know, entertainment and things like that. So, you know, it's looking at the whole situation, but in general, those are the statistics.
0: Yeah. You're, you're talking about, uh, I think dual, you know, people, not wife, not working long-term marriage. And then, you know, that I was saying that was becomes more perilous. You know, I, um, I want to ask you and I'll preface it, but I want to ask you what percentage of maybe your clients or people you're coaching are coming from a dual income versus, I don't know if we we can even say a traditional marriage where one spouse doesn't work. Um, cause I, my wife opened my eyes up a few years ago. I said, Hey, you know, the business is doing good. You know, I like you having you around. She was helping with the business and, um, you know, why don't you consider, you know, quitting or retiring? And I thought I was doing her a favor saying that, you know, you don't have to work, you don't have to commute and do all these things. And we were on a walk with the dog and she said, you know, if I were to quit and you were to die, I couldn't run your business. And then what I, what I do and so, having good intentions, trying to think I'm doing her a favor, I was like, uh, "You, you are absolutely correct. It was very, very eye-opening." Smart woman. Yeah, smarter than me. That's for sure. <laughs> but the, yeah, the, the question was on the dual income. I imagine, are you seeing people, people with dual incomes, or have been working throughout the marriage? They're not going to have the same problems as one spouse staying at home.
1: No, they will not have the same problems. Those are different. But I mean I'll take my own instance. I, I always had a career work, you know, contributed to my 401k. and he was self-employed. And so the tables got turned in that I ended up writing him the check, six figure check. And so I knew what my what our retirement was going to look like. And it wasn't just cutting it in half because I had this pot of money sitting in our retirement account that was making money. And all of a sudden, it's not growing the way it was forecasted to. Mm. It was half as much. So I had to redo all of my numbers. I mean, I, I'm thankful for the divorce the day I, it, I felt so free. But all that to say is the numbers change. And you should never stay in a marriage because of the numbers. But they do change. And it's you know, it's compounding value of money. All of a sudden, you got half the, the value it's not going to grow as much as you had anticipated, which means you either delay your retirement, which many people do, or you phase into it, which is becoming very popular. It's not like, oh, 65, I'm retired. I'm going to go play golf. It's, oh, I am now transitioning. I'm going to work, you know, maybe 20 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week. And I am going to travel a little bit more. And that's actually what I'm doing. I'm, I'm working less. I'm working. I enjoy it. But I'm also pursuing some of those other activities that I I greatly enjoy. But all that to say, this is not the retirement I envision. And I think that happens with a lot of couples where they're both working. It's, you know, especially in their 50s. 50s is where I see women really focus on, okay, I'm going to get laser focused. This is when I have time to, you know, increase my income. It's probably the the highest income they'll ever have. Uh, They can really focus on it. The kids are out of the house. And, and they can really put their retirement plan in place and kind of, you know, okay, 66, 67, 70 is, is my target. What yeah. is it going to take? What's my number? That's what I get asked all the time. What's my number? It's different for everybody, but anyway, all that to say. So yeah, so it is different um, depending on, you know, single income or, or dual income. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. You're talking about the traditional retirement that you'll retire and and, and go play golf. I, I don't know if that, if, do you think people are still doing that these days? It's, it would seem odd to me to just one day quit and do absolutely nothing. I don't know. Maybe in 10 or 15 years, that won't seem so <laughs> odd, but I I don't know. I guess I could find plenty of, th- you know, on the weekends, there's plenty of things to do if I'm not working to fill my day.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I see some of that. I wouldn't say it's as prevalent as it was. I see yeah. more people transitioning. That's what I see.
0: I like and that it, word. Yeah. i going to write that down.
1: I, I think it's, and I think it's smart. It's like and I was coaching one woman she she cracked me up. She goes, "You know, I know and and she she was coaching just cuz she wanted to get her retirement on fast track. And she was happily married. She goes, "You know, I married him. I said I do for as long as as we live." She goes, "I just didn't know it was going to be breakfast, lunch and dinner." She goes, She goes 24 seven. She goes, you know, I'm I'm transitioning. I'm going to transition into my retirement because I can't imagine working 40 hours, you know, out of the house and then all of a sudden being there full time. I think that's smart. It's not that, you know, you you don't wake up and it's like, well, you know, I, I can't stand being at home full time. But it's like, oh, let's transition, you know. And I think it gives people, men and women, an opportunity to explore. Explore different things, you know, whether it's volunteering, whether it's, um, I don't know, working at a winery just came to mind because that's one of the things I, I love doing. Um, whether it's uh, traveling, whether it's spending more time with the grandkids, you know, whatever. it, You kind of get to start deciding what is a life you desire look like? And you get to make it up your way. And I actually go through a series of, I call it my dreaming exercises with my clients who are working on what they want their retirement to be. And we, we walked through some, you know, who, who do you want to be with? What does that look like? Where do you want to be? What do you want to do?
0: Yeah. You brought up your, your coaching program. I wanted to see if we could dive into some of your, um, some of your programs Um, and if you could kind of detail the types of clients you work with and are they coming in? You know, you just mentioned, um, you know, happily married, but wanted some financial coaching. So I guess people can enter your, your various coaching programs at, at any point. Happily married, just want to be more financially informed. Um, tragic life events that then, you know, trigger them to need to reach out to you. Can you go, and go into detail about what you have going on?
1: Yeah, thanks, Tim. So I say I coach. I'm an er- experiential coach. And that means I have a lot of gray hair and so I've had a lot of experiences. My ideal client are those midlife women who are having a transition or a midlife experience and it has made money their priority, not, in a in a positive way. They want to have a better relationship with their finances and um, I also coach women who have an okay relationship with money, but they really want to take it to the next level. They want it to be great. They want to experience abundance in their life. They want to um, not um, struggle quite so much. And so I actually have, um, I'm offering a VIP experiential day with me so that we can I can be laser focused on them and really work with them starting with where they're at, where they want to be, and and we go through quite a bit. It's, um, it's really a transformational experience. And it's at my favorite vacation spots. So I have one coming up in June, we'll be in Maui. I have one in July, we'll be on a beautiful uh, river up in Montana. And I have uh, one in August here in the Pacific Northwest in the Willamette Valley. Oh, where it's great wine country. You would have to drink wine in order to do that one. But um, so that's really fun. Um, I coach couples who really want to get on the same page. So my perfect client is someone who is committed to making a change. They know they have to change something. They're committed and they're willing to put in the effort, not in a physical sense so much, as, as in a mental sense, a mental sense, and um, and really want to take their relationship to money to the to the next level. I always say I work with women to help them make money their best friend.
0: So you work with women independently, mm-hmm. life transition issues, mm-hmm. um, and you also coach couples. The VIP um, coaching that you were discussing is that is that couples based?
1: Nope, it's only for women. It's, it's me and one other gal. We only do one on one. It's very special.
0: Oh, that's one on one, huh? Oh, it's only one on
1: one. Yeah,
0: wow. yeah. Very immersive, I it imagine. Is.
1: That's a good good word, immersive. Yes.
0: Um, and then you have um, I'm looking at your website. You have some other coaching: the wiser you, mend the past, grow the future, grow your future, understanding, investing your financial confident future. Are these um virtual coaching or these uh couples coaching are these individual uh, coaching programs or do they all kind of roll one to the other
1: so I don't have a cookie cutter approach mine is all individualized and so those are all aspects that typically enter into uh, what my clients require coaching on and so um you know and some people might might go i I I don't need the investing right now, but I really need to get my money story straight and I need an intentional money and spending plan. That's great. Then that's what we'll focus on. But women who work with me typically start at the beginning and work through the entire um, VIIP process. Mm-hmm. And, and so that encompasses what you just discussed. And that usually takes about six months.
0: I was just going to ask you what a typical coaching program might look like six months. So they can kind of come in whatever maybe they feel is their immediate need, but then it will evolve into the remainder of what you come up with in your coaching.
1: Right. And it's a conversation that we have too, because many times they don't even realize what they need. They think they know what they want, but they don't always know what they need.
0: You have a lot of um, resources on your page, um, which I like. You have you know a bunch of videos and resources, and you had a bunch of uh, guides on here. Do you find people um, obtaining these guides and as a kind of an initial first step to reaching out to you?
1: Absolutely. So that's a great way for them to get to know me, to um, see who I am and what I'm about. Um, the Gray Divorce is probably one of the more popular um, freebies that I have for, for people to you know, you can just click on it and download it. Um, but they're all very useful and they're all timely. And I, it depends on where, you know, what people need, where they are in their life. Some of them, you know, it's like, I got to figure out, you know, how to get my finances in order. And um, so that's another guide that I have. But the, the divorce one has been very popular. I put up the media page just so people could see the other podcasts I've been on. Uh-huh. Because I think when they see me in, you know, live, so to speak, Um, They get a sense of who I am because, you know, money working with somebody and especially about money, it's a trust issue. I mean, you know, to open up and be vulnerable and say, I have a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt. You know, yeah, I make six figures. Many of my clients do, but I'm spending it all. I, you know, I cannot rein it in. I don't know how to do this. It's like, okay, well, let's figure it out. You know, so it's it's a huge trust factor. And so I think it's really great for people to be able to, to see those videos. And I have a YouTube channel too that people click on.
0: Yeah, on your, uh, in the media uh, page, you have a ton of uh, YouTube videos and I agree with you a hundred percent. I think there's some crossover with what I do and you do as far as a certain level of um, comfort level, identifying with you seeing if that is so so if they even like you right um and i think it saves us both time for someone to you know click you know watch a video or two or a podcast and say yeah something just rubs me the wrong way about that guy well that's great you know then we weren't going to hit it off anyways i'm sure the same for you right it's it's kind of a, a top of the funnel type um scenario where they've already eliminated you that's great now we're not wasting time on consultations and everything else right
1: Yes. Yes. And if they do think they want to work with me or then I offer a complimentary uh, 20 minute call, we can talk a little bit about what they're looking for, where they're at. And I am very open and honest. If I if I'm not the right coach for them, if I don't think it's a good fit, I will tell them that right up. And, you know, I like I'm, that. couple the resources that I can you know suggest. But yeah, because I don't want to waste my time. Like I said, I, I'm not in it to work 40, 60 hours a week anymore. And I don't want to waste their time or money. Yeah. You know, that's that's
0: not doing anyone a service. Yeah, I, I think that's great that you are at that point in your transitioning mm-hmm. career. Um, that you can kind of pick and choose your clients because I do the same thing. Because you, if you get the wrong people in the door, it's just not going to work. And it becomes a waste of time, money, and then they're not going to be happy with you. And you know, they they do in my you know when they do slip through the door or maybe I took someone on that you know, not knowingly should, but didn't maybe qualify them enough, they they take up a lot of resources um, yeah. and don't get the results that we had you know hope to
1: get exactly, exactly. And I don't know about you, but I'm at my point in life where I am surrounding myself with positive energy. and if somebody is just a constant energy drain, I mean, I know we yeah. all have our days and we all have our issues and stuff. and trust me if you're going through a divorce oh my god but um but you know it's it's knowing it's being intuitive and 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 knowing if if that person is the right fit or not
0: yeah i always i always tell folks when we you know we we do free consultations as well and it is much about them learning asking their questions as it is me asking specific questions back getting a feel for and you've done what you're doing a long time as as have i and i can kind of read between the lines based on the answers, you know, and, and I'll tell them straight out. I want to see if we're a good fit, you for me, me for you. And I'll tell you, you know, hundred percent, you know, if I feel like there it's not a good fit and why mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not anything that's, you know, um, you know, rude or, or meant to be, nor is it said that way, but it's like, look, we have certain capabilities with what we do specializing in, you know, amicable divorce. And based on you telling me this, I think it's going to go sideways and it's going to be a waste of money. You'd probably be better, Serve with an alternate service attorney or whatever, and they they at the end of the conversation they very much appreciate that because I think that is lost in the business community where we take all comers, and I I'd, I'd rather get more of what I like, and I'll be able to do that if I have less of the people time sucking for lack of a better word.
1: Exactly. Oh, absolutely. You know it is the eighty twenty rule.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There. And, and sometimes when I get a client that maybe slipped through the cracks or something, you know, you wonder like, why was I so lucky to get this person, you know? Um, or so what I, is the
1: universe trying to teach me?
0: Exactly. So, but it's a learning lesson. It's like, what what did I miss on the consultation perhaps or whatever, but I'm totally fine letting the 20% go to other folks.
1: <laughs> yes, totally. Totally.
0: Well, What did I miss asking you, Linda? It a, it's been a great conversation. I don't want to let you go without giving the opportunity to, to give us um, any final thoughts. Uh, we've been going on here about 45 minutes, so I don't want to be respectful of your time. Thank you. um, we covered on how to get a hold of you, but in case people forgot, we can also close with that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I love what I do. I think, um, you know, it's always good to have a positive relationship with money. That is not sinful, it is responsible. And um, and my intention is, is to do my best to help people have that relationship, to have abundance in their life, whether it's financially, whether it's in relationships, or whether it's in success in any other aspect of their life. So um, yeah, I'm Linda Lingo
0: financial life coach, educating. With- .com, free consultation. You know, um, people, I do a 15-minute consultation. And people are like, oh, I'm going to hurry through this because we only have 15 minutes. You can get a lot accomplished in 15 minutes, and I'm assuming you can in 20 as well as trying to assess what people need.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Well, again, uh, so glad that you took, uh, 45 minutes of your day, um, uh, to talk to me. I will get this on both our audio podcast and video podcast on YouTube. I'll send you the links to everything to use as you please. And again, it was fantastic talking to you. I always learn so much. Um, and I like just getting, getting going on the, uh, video. Cause I, I am genuinely interested in what you do and folks like you do. Um, and cause everyone has their, um, a different twist, if you will, or a different way of doing things or different style, different programs. Um, Some work with, you know, women only, some work with the men only, some work with both. So it's just so many different. And for me, for what I do, so many of what clients that we handle, because we do simple amicable divorces, we do high volume, 20 to 30 a month, whereas maybe an attorney won't do that in a year. And there's a need for the services and coaching that, uh, that you and folks like you offer.
1: Yeah. And I think one thing about the divorces, maybe to keep in mind if you haven't already is, you know, I, I realize there's an emotional aspect to the divorce and there's the financial aspect and helping people recognize that I think is really important because we have to allow ourselves I'm speaking for personal experience. We have to allow ourselves to emotionally work through divorce issues as well as the dollars and cents. And they're both equally important.
0: Again, fantastic talking to you. We'll definitely keep in touch. I'll make sure to uh, find you on LinkedIn and all your social media um, and we should stay in touch. I'm going to be creating a, a resource page on my website and all the folks I interview will be there with a little caption of what they do. The more information I can provide to folks pre-divorce, if we, if we even prevent people from getting divorced, they get some financial coaching, um, is all the better for me. So again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on. I learned so much uh, today.
1: Thank you, Tim. I appreciate the opportunity. You're so easy to chat with. Thank you.
0: Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.